Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Tales to Admonish. I'm your co-host Tom, and with me is he who is burdened with glorious purpose, Arthur Romeo. Arthur Romeo. Of course, we are talking Loki on this week's episode. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. That's right. (laughs) Woohoo. We will also discuss the new Netflix phenom Sweet Tooth based on the comic by Jeff Lemire. We haven't seen it yet, and we're hoping that uh, you guys will follow us as we watch it as well. Stan Lee gets his own street in the Bronx, and it's a more than fitting tribute. Excelsior! And Zendaya teaches us that there's a difference between acting and voice acting. (laughs) And of course, the folks at Disneyland have brought us a robot that can flip through the air and look like Spider-Man. We all hail our spider overlords. On this week's episode of... (laughs) You went especially evil there. That was, that's new. I had to change it up a little, you know? I know, episode 10. <laughs> episode 10! Woo! Man, I feel like we've been playing tag all morning. How you doing, sir? Hey, man. Oh, it was kind of a busy morning. I have my daughter, so I was trying to take her to school, and then I had to um, wash my car. I've been trying to wash my car the last couple of weeks, but every time I went, there was like a huge long line, and I didn't have time to be there. You know, simple kind of um, like stuff, life stuff. <laughs> See, in New York, we let the rain do that. You remember rain, right? Yeah, I mean, that happens like (laughs) every two years. (laughs) Um, It used to be that every time I traveled to California, it would rain. It was the most bizarre thing. It would never fucking rain. And then it would follow me to California every (laughs) single time. And I've been to California a lot. So like, you're welcome. You guys need it. I miss California. I haven't been out there since 2019. I think that was the last time you and I actually got to hang out in person, which was too damn long ago. For everybody that's been with us all this time, if you didn't know, I'm in L.A. and and Tom's in New York. I've I've talked to a lot of people. They think we're in the same room because of your your audio engineering prowess, bro. Yes, (laughs) yes. Bring the praise. I feed on it. (laughs) Stroke my ego. But yeah, we're I'm in I'm in New York and you're in uh, you're in California and I, I actually used to travel out there a lot more since before COVID and stuff like that. But you know what's interesting is one of the things I never did in all my time going to California is I never went to Disneyland. As a matter of fact, I never mm. went to any theme park in California. Mm. I mean, I took the Warner Brothers tour and I sat on the set of Friends and I saw the Batmobile. But other than that, nothing. That's a fun tour. Yeah, it is a fun tour. They have the Lord of the Rings stuff there too. Mm-hmm. With all the size perspective stuff that Jackson did. Yeah, and I um I, I enjoyed all the Harry Potter stuff before I knew the author was a big hit. Yeah. Yeah, that was a lot more fun yeah. before then. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I still enjoy Harry Potter. I can enjoy Harry Potter without without like enjoying our No doubt, no doubt. You gotta separate the art from the artist. It's just it just sucks that you can't enjoy both because of what she's done. It's true, but I still enjoyed the tour, but I I never got to Disneyland and I actually stayed right down the street from Knott's Berry Farm and never even got over there. But I was usually alone. So it's something about going to like an amusement park alone always felt sad. Like one, please. (laughs) (laughs) Embrace the loneliness. Embrace the loneliness, Tommy. My friends and Rachel are all back home and I'm <laughs> on extended stay. I, you know, and I, it just felt weird. Do you go to Coney Island a lot? No, I actually don't get out to Coney Island a lot. You know what it is? It's bridge and tunnel bullshit. You know, when it comes to mm-hmm. New York, it's it's a hike to Coney Island. And I love Coney Island. And if you've never, ever been before, go and do it once. It's fun. But I'm not doing mm-hmm. the trek out to the edge of Brooklyn. It's a long-ass subway ride from where I am, and it's a hellacious drive if I chose to take my car, so I'm not, I'm not really down with that. Mm-hmm. Do you get out to Disneyland often? Yeah, um, at least like once a, or twice a year. My, my friend's dad is a fireman there, so they get like free tickets all the oh, time. Oh, sweet. That's, that's the way to go. If you can go to Disneyland without letting them stick in their hands in your pocket, that's the way to go. Yeah, because they there are a lot. There are a lot. Oh <laughs> yeah, too much of that. But I, I tell I tell you, bro, in the New Orleans quarter, that bread bowl clown chowder <laughs> is so fire, bro. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, it's like the best experience ever. Then you like just eat that that bowl after. 
Uh, now, so you you are at literally the most technologically advanced amusement facility on Earth, and you're like, have you tried the clam chowder? <laughs> That's why I go. You know, I know it's $140 a ticket, but if you've had the clam chowder, it's worth the price of admission. That's right. All about the clam chowder. That's what you got to do. Oh, boy. <laughs> Thanks. Now, now we've got copyright strike number one. His name is Mikey Mouse. <laughs> Mikey Mouse. That's right. But yeah. But speaking about um, Disneyland, you know, you want to talk about the uh, the Avengers Academy? Yeah, the whole Avengers Campus Plaza is, from what I've seen, they just opened it up and uh, it looks very awesome. Yeah, I was watching a video. Like I, I watch a lot of uh, 360 tours on YouTube. Where, you know, especially if it's like a new event or ride, you have these YouTubers that go mm-hmm. and just experience the whole thing, film the whole thing, so you can kind of look at what the whole experience is. Nice. So I got to see a fair amount of uh, cool stuff that they had there. By far, my favorite thing is the Doctor Strange performance, that sick thing that they have set up there. I've seen that. Oh, well, let me explain it. So. It's basically a, a little magic show. <laughs> of course it is. At first, it's like it seems like it's cheap. Y'all gonna take down Doctor Strange and make him a magician, just like Tony Stark was making fun of, like in Infinity War. <laughs> 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 but the performer's really good, and uh, it's, there's some really good magic tricks in there. Nice. And it's it's done with the story, so it's like, and for my next trick, you know, it's like it's it's done as a story. Mm-hmm. So like it it's a it's a really fun little thing. Plus they casted the of uh, the Doctor Strange uh, guy well. They actually like a lot of the cast members look fantastic, and they're all peppered through the park, and you like you'll never know who you'll see, and they're always just in the middle of doing things. Um, what you awesome. saw, you saw the Spider-Man video, right? I saw the freaking Spider Bot or the whatever they're calling it. It is it is literally a robot that they launch into the air, and it mm-hmm. does acrobatic Spider-Man poses and flips, and it's absolutely an amazing feat of engineering yeah holy cow does this thing look i mean if you pose that question to someone like i need to launch a robot in the air and then it has to do acrobatic poses and land safely and then we need to reuse it you're like what and it looks incredible i think that the effects that they've got for the spider-man actor like coming down on a a web line and stuff like that they're as good and as safe as you're going to be able to do you're not going to be able to replicate you know the the speed that spider-man operates at and so i think it's almost Mm -hmm. jarring because the robot looks incredible and it kind of makes the actor look funny by comparison because he's just doing parkour at that point (laughs) (laughs) it's incredible though it's incredible that they're able to do that when you see the video when you see the video like they do it so seamlessly it's so smooth they really they really make you believe that that stunt guy is the one that's like actually doing a stunt it's amazing. You know? And um, yeah, you guys should check out the video or just go to Disneyland and check it out yourself. Um, I can't wait to go because I, I haven't even seen the Star Wars uh, section yet. You know, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I, I, I want to do that big ride that they have over there. That this like multi-tiered ride that they have over there. So the, the other things like the, the the food items are really cool. They they have it like based around the, the Ant-Man Pym particles. Yeah. So like... <laughs> Oh, you, you saw like the, the big uh, chicken steak sandwich? I saw somebody like doing a little review on some of the stuff they had. And they make giant food. They make little food. That's what I've yeah. heard. But they mix, they mix it up. Like, so like they'll have like a tiny bun on a huge uh, chicken patty. <laughs> 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 oh, man, it's so cool. And then, you know, they, they, they never uh, like scrap on detail. So like, I mean, like each section of the, uh, of the Avenger campus has their own like sort of designed trash cans. Oh, that's awesome. You know? So uh, that's, that's killer. That's really cool. And, um, uh, I'm not impressed with the Spider-Man ride. I like, I mean, for it to be Spider-Man, like, you you see what you did? You see what the Spider-Man ride was? No, no. So I haven't seen any it, of it. It's basically, you know, like since like the Peter Parker in the MCU is kind of taking over Stark uh, tech. Is there, he basically made like these Spider-Bot things that kind of got okay. out of control. And you have to use your uh, hands. I guess they track your hands 
for you to like mm-hmm. have your like web shooters. Oh, I have seen that they come with web shooters and you can like a uh, never one to upsell. You can get like like better web shooters. Really? Or wait, or, or do you, you do this on the ride or is it a toy that you take home? No, it's on the ride oh, and okay. you can like you pay like when you get on the ride you get web shooters, but if you want you can pay extra and get like advanced there's something different about either they're rapid fire or they look cooler but there's like Man, this, there's enough sell wow wow <laughs> <laughs> yep oh disney boy disney <laughs> well what do you what do you expect i'm the mouse <laughs> <laughs> just, just take all my money take all my money mikey mouse oh, yeah my <laughs> So, so staying on theme, we'll bring it back to New York. Um, in, you know, I, I live just north of the Bronx and I'm happy to say that that fine borough has chosen to celebrate one of our own, Mr. Stan Lee with his own Stan Lee way. Hello, true believers, <laughs> true believers. Ah, can you believe it? I have a street in New York, Excelsior. <laughs> That's pretty fucking good. That's good yeah. I'm not supposed to kiss your ass on the podcast. But that was a fun one. It's right there. It's right there. Kiss it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be located um, between University Way and West uh, 176th Street. And uh, he was a native of that neighborhood. He lived on University Way. He went to DeWitt Clinton High School, mm-hmm. graduated in 1939. And so he is being celebrated by the city of New York. And That's I love fantastic. It. Oh, man. Uh, you remember I worked with him. So that was like one of the best highlights of my life. I did a, a anime. It was his last, um, one of his last projects that he worked on. Yeah, yeah. He was like, making an anime called Reflection, The Reflection. You know, I, I got to have one scene with him. And uh, we all did a panel together. He ran the uh, the Kamikaze mm-hmm. L.A. Comic Book Convention. Nice. Yeah, it was like one of his last times there, and we got all got to be together as the cast. And oh man, it was great. <laughs> it was like one of my heroes, man. Ever since that book, Drawing Superheroes the Marvel Way. Yes. Like, uh, yeah. Do you remember that book? When I was a kid, I had that book. Yeah, Stanley's all over that book. You know, like he, oh, yeah. like I think he wrote like so much of the 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 text in there so like i mean he was always talk, talking directly to the reader you know and he, he was always just like that you know communicator and connector to readers more than like anybody in comics yeah that that was the difference between dc and marvel dc was a brand marvel was a guy yeah uh he is missed yeah but he had really a good missed, he had man. a good freaking run and I'm so jealous of you that you have that story. I hate you so much. <laughs> I mean, I spent so many years like seeing him at the cons, but like just being far away because I would never get in those lines to see him. But then I got to actually work with him. And that's yeah, what I'm that... saying to be the man's peer, to put in the time and to get the kind of job. Because for those people who may not be aware, Arthur is a professional voice actor and we could list his credits, but I'm really not going to kiss his ass any more than I did earlier. So <laughs> Come that on, said, that said he does a lot of good work and uh, he'll tell you all about it on our outro. And so uh, I saw you got picked up by Toonami actually. Yeah, man, that's such good news. Cause man, I've been spending like the better part of the last seven months saying, Hey, my show is on Hulu. I don't have Hulu. Hey, my show's on Hulu. I don't have it. <laughs> yeah, my show, the show I did a bunch of episodes on, it's, it's on Hulu. Yeah, I don't have Hulu. <laughs> so uh, I'm glad it's going on Toonami because it's going to reach an even bigger audience. Uh, so that's going to be great, man. Awesome. What's the name of the show again? Yashihime, Princess Half Demon. It's the continuance of Inuyasha, famous anime from 20 years ago. Freaking awesome. So, yeah, and so you worked hard. You do these jobs, and you get to, you know, at least on some level participate in Stan's world, and that's crazy because and that, that's an amazing reward for your work. And mm-hmm. a lot of people think that voice acting is easy, and I think Arthur <laughs> would disagree. <laughs> you know what I'm about to get into, right? I know where he's going. <laughs> a lot of people think voice acting is easy, and um, it's not. Having to act and present and 
mate with a character that you may not even necessarily see before the final product. And sometimes those those pairings go go well, and sometimes they just don't. Yeah, that's that's right, Tom. That's right, Tom. And we we talked about this with uh, our friend Lakeith Stanfield on uh, Yasuke. Yeah, Yasuke. <laughs> it just doesn't work. He's Lakeith Stanfield, and the character is Yasuke, and it's just it's flat. It just doesn't match the character, and yeah. it's an art. And I think that the thing that specifically I'm going to speak about is Zendaya playing Lola Bunny in a Looney Tunes. Uh, uh, wah, in, pardon wah, me, wah. in Space Jam Two. So she plays Lola Bunny in Space Jam 2, and I think that it's completely incongruent with the character. It doesn't look like the voice that is coming out of that cartoon's mouth. So there's a little blowback, right? Some people are upset about it. Yeah, a lot of people on the internet, they're already upset about Lola Bunny because they completely desexualized the character, hey, which I support. she doesn't have breasts anymore. Hey, <laughs> hey that anthropomorphic bunny's not uh, sexy. <laughs> I am completely not turned on by this child's cartoon. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with people? <laughs> Man, you, you got you got furries, man. You got furries. Oh Jesus, don't. Oh God, don't. Don't. Well, that's right. Because... You got some furries. Oh yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm not. I'm done. Okay, so so anyway, so people aren't really happy with Zendaya's performance. No, and when we hit furries, I'm just gonna take a hard left. All right. So anyway, um, I think in this instance that the problem is even more glaring because it's Looney Tunes. You know, in this day and age, mm-hmm. we're used to cartoons with more normalized human voices, people doing their own voice in a lot of ways. But mm-hmm. Looney Tunes are distinctly different than that. They are very much character voices. They don't sound like real voices. They sound like Looney Tunes cartoon voices. Mel mm-hmm. Blanc never did Mel Blanc. He did the character. And so now you have a person just doing a normal human voice with everybody else with their expressiveness and their affectations, and it's completely mismatched. I mean, to be to be to be fair, Tom, like I mean, Lola is still pretty new as com- compared to the other characters who are all, all around 80 years old. Lola appeared in 90, 96 or whatever it was when Space Jam came out. Even back then, she had just kind of like a, a basic like human voice, you know. But the, the the difference is, you had like an experienced voiceover actress doing that voice back then. True, but I also think it has to live in that world too. You can introduce the character later, but if it's like has a completely incongruent style and motif, then you've just made Poochie. That's all you've done. <laughs> you know what I mean? Poochie Simpsons reference. Woo! <laughs> so, like, I don't mind that she came later, but I think that her voice should match all the other voices. It should be expressive and character-driven, and it should be exaggerated. There's an exaggeration to all their voices yeah, that she doesn't have. But Tom, if you if you watch the original Space Jam, her the voice wasn't exaggerated. It was just a cute, like a cute, sexy girl, you know. Because like again, she's not she wasn't tied. I mean, you know, these characters are tied to vaudeville, you know, like so, like so, like I mean, that's going back to the 30s and 40s and stuff. So, you know, like they they didn't make Lola sound like that. Lola was like a modern character. You know, so the but like I mean, I agree with you. Like, like that still needs to have a good performance. And you're saying Zendaya is coming off a little flat, right? It's it just she has a tone of voice that works for her when she's acting. Mm-hmm. But when I listen to her voice and I look at that character, I kind of feel like like it's it comes off as the sort of bored, sarcastic, which is just her tone of voice, which worked great for what she did, like in the Spider Man movies and stuff. But there's a I just don't dig it. I don't know. I can't pick it apart in an exact way. I just feel like it's just, it just sounds really mismatched. I mean, it goes right along with what I was saying about Lakeith. You know, think about these actors, okay? Like, this is like a, a step into the acting process, right? So think about these actors who get to, who get to perform against like some of the world-class actors in the world. They're on location. 
and they're doing all these things. And then they're transported to a booth where they have to read their lines to on a oh, on a mic- on a microphone with two two guys, um, and and like behind the glass, you know, it's just like it it is a particular skill set that you can't just jump into. I yeah exactly, and I don't think that that's a weapon in her arsenal right now. Yeah, I mean it's it's constantly a, a frustrating thing that happens to the voiceover community because you know they spend years like honing their talents to like really create these believable performances. The best, the best voiceover performance I've ever heard in my life was Kate Blanchett in How to Train Your Dragon Two. She yeah, you was said that so fan. Fantastic as this mother, like, like her voice acting was so good and made the animators job, like it made the animators do a better job at uh, like making that character perform. Like it's just, it's a class, class act in um, voiceover. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, but like that's Kate Blanchett. <laughs> right. Right. I, I, am, I imagine Kate just walked into that booth and nothing could stop her acting ferocity, you know? Yeah. yeah, and given time and experience, I'm sure Zendaya could get there. But like, there's this cynicism that rings through her voice. There's a perpetual boredness. I, I can't explain why. And I just feel that maybe if she was in a more conventional modern cartoon, it would be less jarring. But when you pair that tone of voice up against Looney Tunes, I, I just I just feel disconnected from it. But mm-hmm. that movie's not... For me necessarily, so that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you whose movies were for me, and we were talking on and on and on about it last week. And of course, uh, people know that Clarence Williams the third uh died on the fourth and uh, at the age of eighty one, which is fucking shitty as hell. Yeah. Love Clarence. Oh. We were just talking about him in the last episode. We were just going on and on about, you know, some of his just his deliveries, his deliveries were so good. You know, when you'd see him in interviews and he was so refined and classy and such like an actor's actor, and then he would get on screen and play these absolutely batshit characters. And that's, that's real acting, Cuban man. B. Those characters, <laughs> yes, Cuban B. <laughs> I mean, come on. Those, all of that stuff. You know, Samson Simpson in Half Baked, 1998. Like, I literally have that line written down on my notes here. Yes, Cuban B. <laughs> a nothing line, a complete throwaway line. And you and I both, 25 goddamn years later, remember mm-hmm. it. That's oh, how tell, good he was. Tell, tell from the hood. Motherfuckers! (laughs) Welcome to hell, motherfucker. (laughs) This ain't no funeral home. And it ain't no pterodome neither. Oh Oh my my God. God. I mean, so scary. So good. So good. I'm going to get you, sucker. Oh, yeah. When he plays Kalinga and I'm going to get you, sucker, he's like, the brothers went down there ready to start the revolution. They went in with guns, but they were hiring that day. (laughs) <laughs> and they came out with jobs. <laughs> That's how the revolution ended. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that show, man, he's that amazing. Movie so, that movie is so he's Prince's dad in Purple Rain. Oh yeah. And as most people who are a bit older than you and I would remember him, he was a big star from 1968 to 1973. Yeah, Mod as Squad. Uh, Lincoln Hayes on the Mod Squad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean that that was his first major television role, and it made him. Uh, fun facts also additionally about Clarence William III: he was Tony nominated for Best Actor in 1968, and he was a paratrooper from 1959 to 1960. Holy cow! Fuck it, the man was a paratrooper. Man, that's nuts. Um, the only thing is, is that uh, his last movie, American Nightmare, is. I I love everything that this guy does, but that's a rough last movie. You know, when you think about all the movies he did over the course of his life, have you ever seen American Nightmare? It's basically a horror anthology starring Danny Trejo, and it's directed by Rusty Cundiff. And I'm not usually one to criticize any of those three people, especially since... 
Danny Trejo will and can kill you. Um, but <laughs> it's it's rough. <laughs> it's the effects. It suffered from low budget and a really fast production time. But if you want to see his last movie, go check out 2018's American Nightmare. You know, maybe get high first. I, I don't know. It's, or, it's or, not a great or, horror anthology. Or see his best movies. <laughs> or see his best movies. Go go see The Legend of 1900, where he plays jazz pianist Jelly Roll Morton, who is a real person, and one of the people credited with inventing jazz in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, go see Tales from the Hood. Go see I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker. Like, go go see the fun movies, but go see Legend 1900. Too many people don't know about that movie, and he's phenomenal in it. Fun. Another fun fact about him, both his father and his grandfather were professional jazz musicians and composers, and uh, he actually played the piano. That's amazing. Which is fun, because if you start thinking about it, every movie, um, Legend 1900, he plays a piano player. During Half-Baked, when they walk in on him, he's sitting there playing the piano, Tales from the Hood, he plays the organ when the guys walk in. So he worked that wow. shit into like all of his different movies. Oh man, that was his uh, staple. That's yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. It was his little little signature on the thing was to have him play piano somewhere in the movie. So I, I like that kind of shit. That's fantastic. Yeah. So pour one out to Clarence Williams the Third. We we love man, him over be, here. Arthur and I couldn't be bigger fans, and he will oh, definitely yeah, be missed. Yeah, as far as like character acting, you know, like you know, we have our characters that character actors out there. They always steal every scene, oh. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yep, yep. Steve, Steve Buscemi, Danny, Danny DeVito, you know, Clarence. These guys make know. Hollywood go around. He was on basically one episode of every show you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like My Little Ponies. <laughs> I didn't know that he was on my What's little. What's with all these motherfucking ponies? <laughs> I must have missed that episode, and 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 every other episode because I don't get down like that. Sorry, sorry, listeners. You, you know, you're not a brony. That's too bad. <laughs> no sir. No sir. Friendship, friendship is magic, and also you know for children. Just let him have it. Please don't, don't, don't sexualize that stuff. And don't bring up those other people from earlier. Cause before we get onto the meat and potatoes of it, we're going to talk a little bit about sweet tooth. And you had mentioned a certain segment of the internet community and they're going to love this movie too. And I hate it. <laughs> oh man. Wait till the freaking furries get their hands on sweet tooth. God help us all. <laughs> no, God freaking. No. Oh my God. This is going to become their Casablanca. <laughs> Uh, this is going to be their Gone with the Wind. This is going to be their, you know, oh, God. But before that happens, we we, we could talk a little bit about it uh, while we're still innocent. <laughs> um, so Sweet Tooth is uh, Netflix's new number one show. It is originally a DC comic under the Vertigo label by Jeff Lemire, uh, both written and drawn, and was released from September 2009 to January 2013. And that would be back where I became familiar with it, uh, during sort of like the beginning, middle of the 46, what would be the 46-issue run. Now, Arthur, you never read the comic, right? I was, you know, it would have been a comic book that I been would have been reading at that time, because I was reading all the vertical stuff all throughout the 2000s, the aughts, I should say. And... um. You know, um, <clears throat> yeah, when I came, that book came out, I, I am an artist, so I am drawn to really good art, and Sweet Tooth never had mm. good art. It had really quirk, quirky art. Yes, very quirky. You know, I wanted to read it, but I never got around to it. Um, and it, it seems really dark as well. Yeah. Yeah, so so I was I was going to work my way around to it. I, I even, even um, got, like, I think the first trade or whatever, but I just never cracked it open. Well, I, I enjoyed it. The story is fantastic. And the Netflix television series is going to deviate from the story. They've been pretty clear about that. And while I haven't seen it yet, I have caught a bunch of the trailers. And even from what I've gleaned from the trailer, it's it's going to be very different than the comic book. So I, I like that because at least now I'm familiar with the characters in the world, but it doesn't become something where like, 
I can predict the exact storyline as it's about to unfold. So that's that's good for people who mm-hmm. have both read the comic and not read the comic. For those who don't know, the comic basically surrounds an event whereby human beings start becoming very sick and dying off. It's an apocalypse-level plague. Concurrent to this, every child that has been born since this plague showed up is a hybrid human-animal being. So you're, in the instance of the main character, a half-human, half-deer sort of person. You have bird people, dog and cat people. And so all of the children being born are animal hybrids, and they're simply referred to as the hybrids. So, of course, humanity begins to freak out. So people are dying. There are becoming factions and camps of humanity, and they start to believe that if they can figure out why the hybrids don't get the disease that is wiping out mankind, maybe they can save themselves. So the hybrid children are being hunted by what's left of humanity. And at the same time, we follow Gus, who has been isolated on a nature preserve with his father, being taught survival skills and basically being told that, you know, when that disease comes for me, you're going to have to be prepared to defend yourself against this scary world out there. Because ultimately, all the humans are going to die over a long enough timeline if they can't find a cure. So that is the conflict of the storyline. It's excellent. Yeah. um, Mm -hmm. My takeaways from it, not having seen it yet, I was going to work my way around it. This is like they've definitely tonally changed it a lot. I mean, it looks very Spielbergian. And we we did. did I don't think you mentioned that uh, um, Robert Downey Jr. is uh, producing this show. Oh, yeah. Good point. No, I had mentioned that. Yeah, he's producing this show and he's definitely getting his Spielberg on. Um, if you look at the book, you you immediately would think that Tim Burton would probably direct this or the, even the Coen brothers, because like it had like a very kind of backwoods feel to it. Well, yeah, you the know? art's super scratchy and the inking on it is you know is is it's I'm not going to use the term rudimentary, but it's coarse. Yeah, and so you do get that grittiness and danger of the world that they live in. And a lot of people criticize Jeff Lemire. Jeff Lemire actually went to school to be a filmmaker and then decided mm-hmm. that he wanted to be a storyteller instead. And so he is not trained as an artist necessarily, and it's not his mm-hmm. primary skill, and a lot of people criticize him for it. But I think that it is certainly good enough, if not more than good enough, to set a tone and tell the story that he was trying to tell. He had a story mm-hmm. in his head, and... God love him. Love the art, hate the art. He made it. He got his story out there. And it's a very compelling mm. and interesting story in the comic. I, I struggle to see how they're going to tell that much story. I wonder where the end of the first season will be because I don't... The story is so complete. The ending wraps everything up so succinctly that I wonder where the season breaks are in that cumulative work. I mean, you know what they do, man. They they wind up like it either winds up being a, a pro or a con of the series, like you know when like especially when the, when the story ends like so poetically and beautifully, and, and instead they just screw that over and and add a whole bunch of other stuff to it, like that's what happened to American Gods. Mm. American Gods, such a great book, and the show has kind of went awry, honestly. First season was pretty good though. Yeah, I never caught it. I've been meaning to, but I've never actually seen it. So we didn't talk about this previously, but like, you know, the trailer to to Mark Bernardin and Kevin Smith's uh, He-Man came out. Oh, I mean, let well, here, let's just wrap up. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap up Sweet Tooth real quick. Um, oh, go ahead. Oh, so the, the art thing, the coarseness on the art. Um, I fuck, we could just transition over to that. Oh, yeah, I thought we talked a lot about Sweet Tooth. <laughs> no, 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 I know. I was just like, I just felt like we were like right in the middle of it, and then it was like, and then He-Man. <laughs> killing me. I totally love... Jesus Christ. <sighs> I have no idea. I have no idea. We're off the rails. Anyway, the long and the short, I suppose, on Sweet Tooth, and before we watch it, is that we're, we're going to watch it, and it follows this boy in this world. And, and the only thing I was, last thing I was maybe going to say before we moved on was that I'm kind of glad that they sanded the edges off on it a little bit. I was mm-hmm. really divided on whether I was even going to watch this this thing because mm-hmm. I've had enough misery porn. I've had mm-hmm. enough the real monster is mankind. I've just, sometimes I really want the monster to just be a monster, not like 
everybody. I don't want the protagonist yeah. to have to fight against the nature of humanity itself. It's I'm done with that. Like the all humans are awful and in the apocalypse it's killer be killed and everybody will kill you the moment you stop running. I that's why I stopped watching The Walking Dead. I just I couldn't deal with the morosity and the cynicism of it anymore. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when things politically start getting actually really fucked up, I start to take my entertainment real fucking light. Let's keep it real mm-hmm. light. Make it fun. Yeah, you gotta keep that levity. You gotta keep that levity. Give me fantasy. Take me out of it. Like, this is escapism. Don't remind me that everyone is fucking awful. I know everyone mm-hmm. is awful. Give me... Give me somebody whacking a monster with a sword. Give me fucking He-Man, just like you just said. Now we can transition. <laughs> now I'm ready to move on. God damn it. He has got his closure, <laughs> damn it. Um, I didn't know we were going to talk about He-Man. I actually haven't seen the trailer yet. I just became aware that it came out. Have you seen it? Just take a second and watch it right now. We'll be right with you after these minutes. Please remain on the line as we value your call. And we are back through the magic of time travel. We have now seen the trailer. We are back. And uh, holy shit. All I got to say is, I need a hero. I need a hero. I need a hero hero right now. And that hero (laughs) is fucking He-Man as drawn by the production team of Castlevania. This thing looks incredible. I was five years old for like half a second there. Awesome. <laughs> oh my when I saw Man at Arms. Time machine. You really oh did go to Time Machine. I really did get in the time machine. <laughs> Holy shit. When I saw Man at Arms like fighting on that vehicle and the whole fucking thing of it, like, holy shit, it looks cool. I've never been a big anime guy, and you know, I usually take my cartoons in the Rick and Morty sort of variety, but holy shit, I'm gonna watch the shit out of this. Oh you know, you gotta you gotta you know, especially with uh uh, I feel like this is like one of the biggest achievements for Kevin. Like this is like such high quality, <laughs> such backhanded compliments. <laughs> just teasing. I'm I mean, teasing we, we know we know what the deal is. With we Kevin. know the deal. With, <laughs> go watch Yoga Hosers. We know the deal. Something like this, like each episode has to be like at least uh, two million to produce. Holy shit! You, you know? think that much? Yeah, you'd know better than I would. Yeah, so like that's what I'm saying. Like you see the quality there with like the the animation and and the the actor the caliber of actors and yeah, this this is just like quality through the roof. Oh, so, uh, there you got Mark Hamill as Skeletor. Oh, he sounds amazing. He sounds fucking amazing. I swear, I'm I'm more excited like after watching that than like anything else I had prepared for today's you know episode <laughs> that's it that's liquid childhood man that's liquid it nostalgia. man oh my gosh <laughs> and you see him and he does the whole i have the power thing and the the lightning and it's just it feels so right it's so much fun mm-hmm. like i feel i feel positively asinine for getting this giddy at like a fucking cartoon trailer <laughs> Oh man! Oh Dude, man! That's, that's what this is all about, bro. <laughs> that's what this podcast is all about. It's the beauty of time travel. Mm-hmm. Going back forty years and touching your—that's oh, <laughs> the wrong way to going back forty years and touching yourself. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, you can do that too. So go. <laughs> oh, I—I never do that. Wow. No, no. Moving on. Going back in time and just touching that piece of your childhood. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What have we devolved into? <laughs> to just take that moment and travel back to that person, that kid who was sitting there with a the big bowl of cereal before I was lactose intolerant and watching these fucking cartoons. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I'm so excited for it now. Yeah, man. And uh and again, Mark Bernard and he's just firing on all pistons. He has yep. this uh, uh, this awesome uh I think it's called um Arudo. He just came out with this graphic novel that he's been working on for a few years. And of course, you got the the, the crowdfunded uh, Splinter movie that he's going to be making. Can't wait to see what that looks like. They got to be up around $200,000 right now. I mean, couldn't be more proud of him. His initial goal was like 79 grand. 
Yeah, I mean, what uh, what a like uh, a leap leapfrog is, is he gonna have to like just start doing features or directing for TV or whatever? You know, mm-hmm. like I mean, he's he's gonna be in such good hands. Like he has just so much good goodwill, like yep. all around, like built the, into the, it. The, the, the kind of the geek, uh, the geek, the geek uh, uh, territory of Hollywood. You know, like the J.J. Abrams and like. You know the George Reeves and uh, Matt Reeves, the Matt yep, Reeves, Matt Reeves. All, all all those type of guys. You know, Neil Gaiman is shouting them out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the t- the TV sector, like the guy that runs Flash. I forgot that guy's name. The guy that like the showrunner of all of those like uh CW shows. Oh, like that, B you know, starts with a B. Uh, um, yeah, I, f- I forgot his name. I forgot his name too. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but like, yeah, it's just, just good things in the future. That's awesome. Oh, speaking of TV and time travel, something big happened in Disney Plus. We finally got our third Marvel TV show out this year. Oh my God, Loki! The extreme quality of this show, man. It was worth the wait. Like, who is the set designer for this show? Because they killed it, right? Just all, just Marvel. Marvel is just killing it, man. Just killing it, constantly killing it. Y'all know what we're (laughs) talking about. Loki season one dropping on June 9th with its first episode aptly titled Glorious Purpose. Mm-hmm. And it certainly has that. Oh, yeah. Now, what, what, what were your takeaways from the episode? Uh, my takeaway from the episode is that it's a perfect setup episode for a series. The watch character, the Miss Minutes character gives you all the exposition that you're going to need in a fun and entertaining way. I'll say that we're going to stay spoiler free in the beginning. And then if one of us gets excited about the shit we're talking about and wants to spoil it, we will warn you. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think that the way that they set it up, I think that the, the, the orange everywhere, that seventies wooden aesthetic Mm -hmm. is fantastic. It feels so otherworldly the way it's applied and yet strangely familiar and and bureaucratic because most of us grew up in schools and government buildings and institutions all had all that 70s furniture because they bought it mm-hmm. and it damn well better last forever. Oh, yeah. And so the flavor of bureaucracy is so familiar to any of us who have ever been to those places and seen those outdated color schemes and, and materials. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, my initial takeaway from it is like, first of all, it, it was a it was a combination of being lukewarm and like overly excited because there's honestly we've seen a lot of that first episode through all the trailers and footage that they've shown. That's true. Yeah. So, um, you know, I still was having like a great time because mm-hmm. uh, we're now getting to actually spend time with Loki because. Loki is, has been has had a very interesting path like over the past fourteen years. Can you believe it's been fourteen years? Um, I know <laughs> such a massive amount of time, such a character arc. Yeah, we get to see this arc of, of this of uh, Tom Hiddleston, who just happens to be a super charismatic person, and I mean he wanted like I mean there, there was a reason why they kept him around so long. Yeah, like uh, I mean, he was like the best thing in those uh, first two Thor movies until they finally figured out what to do with Thor in the third one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? absolutely. So, so people were always coming back for, for for Loki, and then like I mean, he, remember uh, uh, the Hall H when he showed up and did like a huge monologue, you know, telling the whole crowd, yeah, the whole yeah, crowd of like uh, how many people, like eight thousand people to kneel. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Again, the glorious purpose speech. It's amazing. Oh yes, and he, Tom Hiddleston is one of the few actors who you can love and hate at the same time. It's like, if he's going to murder people and you're going to look at him and go, you scamp. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's a real particular kind of personality that can get away with that. Plus, you like to see him get hurt, too. Remember what Hulk yes. did to him. That's like one of the like the most charged audience reactions you'll ever hear in your life was when Hulk treated him like like a cartoon character. 
<laughs> yeah, when you see the bully get their comeuppance, yeah. everybody's going to cheer for that. And so you have this guy who's had all of this power and access and vanity, and then the arc that he takes over those 14 years in the MCU to, to where we, you know, spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen Avengers Endgame, and if you haven't seen that movie, why are you listening to this? But, you know, all the way up into his death. And the fact that he becomes a completely sympathetic, likable hero. We forgive him the fact that he tried to destroy New York. And for me, I take that personal. <laughs> but we do. We forgive him that by the end of his arc. Completely. I mean, he has a, such a great arc, too. You know, um, that was probably the best part of um, the, 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 the second Thor. I'm, I'm blanking on the title. Something about world. The Dark World. The Dark, the dark World. You know, um, that that moment where, you know, he's he's in that little cell and he's projecting like this, like, um, I don't care attitude. And so you actually see the real the real pain that he's gone through from like his actions. Yeah. Yeah. Probably yeah. One of the best things about that movie was like just Loki, period, you know, you know, and, and eventually he just he really just became kind of this this comedic foil. Yes. Anytime we. You know, like uh, Ragnarok, Ragnarok, he was very much just the comedian. Yeah, when foil. he's when when Doctor Strange made him fall in a in a just a perpetual uh, free fall. <laughs> you know, I feel like they were egging that on a little bit on the first part of of uh, the episode. <laughs> he has to keep falling, you know. But he makes it work. But he makes it like when he hits the ground and he gets up and pulls out two daggers. <laughs> and you buy it. You you believe it. And so I think given us. An entire show with him is perfectly warranted, and it's going to be amazing. Um, just a little bit more background for some people who maybe haven't seen it yet. It stars Tom Hiddleston as Loki, playing opposite Owen Wilson as Agent Mobius. In this first episode, we don't meet too many other characters. We do meet a woman who plays a kind of time judge named Ravona Renslayer, and that is played by Gugu Mbatha-Raw. And then the muscle in the episode is Hunter B-15, played by Wunmi Masaku. Okay. And uh, we would have last seen her in Lovecraft Country. Mm -hmm. And of course, the little clock on the wall, the cartoon foil that makes it all tick, Tara Strong, mm -hmm. which we love. Oh, yeah. Great cast so She's far. She's so much fun. Such great Owen, cast. Owen Wilson is magnificent in this. Just such a, mm -hmm. such a, like, a, a thinking actor. Like, I mean, like, his, like his focus... And uh, like, and just like how how smart he comes across as this character, and what a name, Mobius. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, of course, of course, it's time. Yeah, exactly. Right, so, are we ready for spoilers? Okay, yeah. So, uh, if you're listening and you haven't seen the first episode of Loki yet, um, go do that, and then come back and listen to us spoil it because we're going to talk a little bit about the comic books. We're going to talk about what we think is coming. And we're going to talk about some of the little things that we found in the episode. So please go watch first episode, come on back, and we'll be here for you. So that said, spoil away, sir. Well, you were about to say something. Oh, what I was going to say was Owen Wilson, Mobius, of course, is a related name related to time. But in the comic book, they're all clones. Mm -hmm. So there's an infinite number of them the same way that there's an infinite number of other people in their respective multiverses. And so Mobius M. Mobius in the comic is just one of any number of different identical copies doing identical jobs. So I like the idea that somewhere there could be like countless other Owen Wilsons, Owen Wilson it up, you know, somewhere in that other big city that we see because we get that view of this, of the complex, of the TVA, the Time Variance Authority, and this practically coruscant looking city that's that's part of their whole operation and that's amazing so i'd love to think there are lots of owen wilson's with owen wilsi running around <laughs> doing doing stuff <laughs> yeah um one of the things i really enjoyed about uh what marvel's been doing is that they do a lot of super super esoteric uh production design you always forget that marvel comics is producing these movies <laughs> the people that know the deep yeah. deep lore the people that really care about this stuff is putting all sorts of stuff in the background they're laying down seeds and and easter eggs like to tell 
a whole exposition in just like one piece of paper or to lead lead you to uh, what the eventual uh, story is going to be in like yeah. maybe like a, a 10 year uh, rollout of story. It's true. It's so true. And you saw that in the beginning when they did it with Thanos. Yeah. And arguably they're they're finessing it even more so now with Kang. They're making Kang appear and, you know, like you know, people are talking about him mm-hmm. and like we're seeing sculptures of him that they don't uh, super allude to. And Miss Minutes, a uh, little exposition thing. We see Kang there, too, but they don't say who he is now. OK, go ahead. and oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. So, uh, I mean, we have a great actor coming in playing Kang. It's Jonathan Majors. He was the lead in Lovecraft Country. And they got a really wonderful actor to become like this like supervillain that's going to be causing all sorts of chaos for the next several years. You know, Kang, Kang is a time-traveling uh, villain, um, he, and he's been one of the major thorn in the side of Avengers for yeah. like for 50 years or, or so. <laughs> You know, in the comics. And, and he's also, he's Nathaniel Richards. Yeah, that's definitely one of his confirmed identities. He he has so many aliases because. That's true. Just, that's true, because he's been through time. Yeah, he's just all throughout time, you know. So for those who don't know, Kang is a villain from the Marvel comics, and he is essentially that. He is a relative of Reed Richards from the future who obtains time-traveling technology and uses that to try and rule existence by virtue of ruling time. He travels into the past and becomes a pharaoh at one point. He travels into the future, gets advanced technology, which is what allows him to become Kang the Conqueror. The only thing I'll say is I'm not sold that one of the three timekeepers is Kang. There's two reasons for it. Two reasons for it. Number one, because Kang opposes the timekeepers in the Marvel comic book. So I think making Kang one of the timekeepers is doable. It's totally doable, but I think that it's not what they're going to do. I think Kang is going to oppose them. And the other one is is that I think they want us to think it's Kang. So I don't think it's Kang. Oh, it's definitely Kang. That's that's what Jonathan Major looks no, like. No, but I feel like it looks enough like him, but it's not dead on to where you'll accept Kang later on as one of their kind. That's the thing, though, about Kang. Like he at different points in time, he's felt different. He was a different person. So at one point where he felt like he needed to do this, there'll be a a, a version of him in another place that feels different. You know. So okay, I'll accept that maybe the Kang that we get as the villain, I, mm, I'm not sold. I think it's entirely possible and even likely, near likely that it's Kang. But I'm not sold. You know, you know how they do these Marvel villains, especially the ones that they don't—they don't kill right off. This character is going to have so much depth. I totally believe, but I'm just not a hundred percent sold. Not a hundred percent. I'm close. I'm following you there, baby. I'm saying, look, it's probably Kang. The way they're lining everything up, and it looks like him. In my opinion, to an extent, they are being very, very... You don't get a photo or a proper statue of any of them. And certainly we don't see any of these figures in the quote-unquote Kang armor that we've come to know. But that's what I'm saying. It's like, I mean, they're being really subtle. That's the only thing that makes me sort of on the fence about it. But they're being really, Might not su- be they're being really subtle about it. Like, I mean, who else would it be? <laughs> who else would it be? Just the timekeepers. The timekeepers. No, not the way they're not the way they're focusing on. Like they they're doing the subtle focus to make sure you remember and see these things. So when they do a callback, you'll realize that's the character the whole time. All right, so we're calling it here. Someday, when we figure out the answer to this question, you owe me a goofy intro. Hey, if, uh, if I'm gonna I'm right. be right like I was before. <laughs> you weren't right. anyway. <laughs> do, do I have to bring Mikey in here? <laughs> oh, you're too funny. You're just too funny. Oh my gosh. So yeah, and the other thing is I'm not so sure that the TBA is as all powerful as they appear to be. Because there's there's one of two situations that's going on with the TBA. Because what Loki's dealing with is the fact that he has no power here. Infinity stones are meaningless. 
uh, his powers don't work because they exist in a space between dimensions. So one of the things in Marvel Comics that's always been a thing is that Infinity Stones don't exactly work in other dimensions the way they work in their home dimension. Mm -hmm. So if you take an Infinity Stone from the 616 and you bring it to the 214, it does it. Sometimes it might work a little bit. Sometimes it might not work at all. Sometimes it might go completely haywire. So they're their own rules for that. And so I think what could be the case here is one of two things is happening. Either the TVA is this all-encompassing superior level of reality that that surrounds our own reality, or somebody has gotten access to enough time travel technology that they can make it appear so. Because what are they protecting? They're protecting the future as they determine it should turn out. That's mm -hmm. Loki's problem. Who, who are these gods deciding what should or should not be? Mm -hmm. And so they're either deciding in their infinite godlike wisdom or they're deciding for self-interest. So maybe they're only protecting a future where they exist. But I mean, like we, we see what, what, like what they're protecting. They're trying to keep the, the major timeline in measurable control because if not, it's going to be a multiverse war. That's what they're telling you. Maybe there's a future where they lose the multiverse war and they're trying to prevent that future. I mean, all I know is, is that all we know about the TVA is what the TVA tells us. Mm -hmm. We've not learned anything about them on our own. So I say we got to take all this with a grain of salt because I think that there if you had enough time travel tech and time because you have time, you could build this city and this managerial apparatus as a form of self-preservation, not benevolence. Mm. That's all. I'm just saying all we know about them is what they tell us and that they, they have a propaganda department. What we're dealing with here, Tom, is a show so good it sparks this type of conversation, bro. <laughs> Damn right. Damn right. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, one thing I just wanted to uh, speak about with uh, Hiddleston is um the you know this this is 2012 loki who was like right in the middle of the thick of it with thanos you know who yeah the height of his villainy oh yeah you know like they haven't even begun to get the infinity stones because like they seem so unreachable so when mm -hmm. he comes in contact with these like really kind of nebbish, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, office workers that like treat these things as like paperweights. Yep. That moment of realization in his face is very stunning. Yeah. It tells you everything you need to know about this world just with that reaction. Oh, it's amazing. He realizes that at some point he had aspirations to be the god of all reality. Mm -hmm. And he realized in that moment he doesn't even know what that would mean. Yeah, man. That there's this whole other bubble outside of his bubble that yeah. he didn't even know about. It just showed it showed his naivete. And this is uh, I love that conversation that uh that Mobius has with him because I don't think enough villains can get to have that conversation. Yeah. He says, I'm going to be king of the world. Okay, so what are you Why? gonna do after that? I, I, I guess I'll find another place to be the king of. But, oh, but so you're gonna leave the place that you were the king? I, I'll be king there too. What? <laughs> yeah, like what? What's the end game? What's the point here? What are you doing? Yeah, you're ruling to rule. When do you? Why don't you just stop? <laughs> you're already a god. Yeah, I I love that Mobius. Like, it's like, like that's yeah. so limiting. <laughs> like, of what you'd be able to actually be able to do. That was such a fantastic conversation. Oh yeah, one you don't really get to have with a lot of villains. Like a villain actually, you know. Like a villain being stripped of everything, not being able to do what they can do, that they, they actually have to sit there and have a, a, a just basic conversation. Yeah. You imagine sitting down like with Skeletor and just being like, "Why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> I want to rule Grayskull." <laughs> <laughs> are, are you upset about being a skeleton man? Is that what this is about? Uh, actually, 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we're gonna do we're gonna do some deep work here. So now we're getting to the root of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, Troops up like being our, a skeleton like our, man. Looks like our time is up. So um, we'll fit you in next. Oh week. yeah. <laughs> no, no, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. The secretary will get your next appointment. We'll, we'll see you next week. Don't I, you go stabbing I, I anyone. We were covering some ground here. <laughs> we are, we are, and we'll we'll do more next time. <laughs> so yeah, you don't get super villains in that context where they just have to just answer for their behavior. Like, why why do you act like this? Oh yeah. And he grows. He gets to see his entire life played out before him through Marvel movies, and he realizes. What he was, what he is, is only what he was. And then he sees what ultimately becomes. And he sees what all of his aspiration and all of his ambition has ultimately been worth. Which is getting your neck snapped on a space freighter. That's what it's been worth. And then it was the end of the tape. (laughs) Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I love the D.B. Cooper scene. Uh, like it just oh gives yeah you, yeah it gives you a taste of what they're going to be doing throughout this series all the fun little time stuff that they're going to be doing I mean we are, we've already seen in the trailer the Pompeii volcano thing so who knows what they're gonna what they're fully gonna do in that scene but you know like them doing that scene um I, I thought it was interesting that it was like they played it as a, a bet with Heimdall and Thor yeah 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 that he lost a bet and had to do it yeah I thought he was gonna play more into the plot of the story not just kind of a one off thing. Yeah, it, yeah, it seemed like such a cool moment in the trailer. So, I, I was kind of disappointed that that's not going to be part of the plot. <laughs> well, I think they're setting up different times where we're going to flash back to Loki having always been there mm-hmm. in history, where he was at different important moments, and that that he's been around, of course, because they are the gods of Norse mythology and and such. So, I think that's fun, even if they feel a little like uh, Family Guy cutaway gags. I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Oh, yeah. Uh, the thing we need to look out for the show is all the little stuff, man, especially the credits. The credits have so much information in there. And I think Tom is 100 percent wrong. I think they're setting up Jonathan Majors in a huge way, mm-hmm. especially especially in this series. Like when it's dealing with time, you know, and this is going to carry out through the Eternals and it's going to carry out through mm. Fantastic Four like this. They're going to they're telling a major story. And like this dude, they're really giving this guy the credence and the setup to really make this dude like, like, like they 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 need to they need to like uh surpass. Okay, Thanos. and so I agree. I totally agree. But here's how I think they do it, and and this is my setup. This is what I think. I think that Kang is one of them, that they're not going to have him be Nathaniel Richards, that he's going to be whatever these race of space gods that are the three timekeepers, that Kang is going to be a fourth one of them and that he is going to destroy them. He is going to destroy the TVA and that will establish how big he is. Because if Thanos was only trying to get the infinity stones and we've now seen that we've entered this extra reality where that's worthless. I think Kang brings that crashing down and installs himself as the one and only timekeeper and that he owns time from that point forward. And that's, that's what I would do. And I think that's what they're going to do. I mean, that's going to, that makes a lot of sense. You got to break down that bureaucracy in order for the uh, all the really mad dash chaos to come across, you know? Yep. That's what I yeah. think. That's just, that's, I think that he looks like them and I think that he shows up and he wipes them out and installs himself as the timekeeper and destroys mm-hmm. the TVA and creates chaos in the multiverse while trying to take control of it. It sounds think good so. to me. I don't know. We're going to find out. And that's that's the beauty of this thing. So if people who are listening to this podcast want to find out more about you, where do they go, Arthur? They come to ArthurRomeo.live. That's my website. And you can also check out uh, my channel on YouTube, Draw Really Awesome Wow. Uh, you can find that on YouTube. You can also follow me on Draw Really Awesome Wow with all the underscores in between the words on Instagram. 
And you currently watch uh, Yashahime. It's about to be on Toonami, but you can watch it on Hulu right now. And if you want to find me, find me on Facebook at Thomas Olton or on Instagram at, you guessed it, Thomas Olton. So join us here next time when we'll be talking about more geek fun and TV movie reviews and news on... Wait, hold on. I, I want to... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do, <laughs> do want to uh, speak about... Uh, Tommy doesn't really talk about a lot of stuff that he does. He, he's like, like s- responsible for so much of the... Uh, craft art that goes into uh jack-o'-lanterns for like the past <laughs> 10 years uh so you should check out his stuff because like it's uh it's not really far around the corner where we're going to be making some art pumpkins again so you gotta check out um his stuff on uh, uh where, where would they find that well um jesus christ our website is down at the moment because we're out of season just if you go online and you google rise of the jack-o'-lanterns tom alton just go into google type in my name you'll see my work some of my television appearances i usually don't talk about my pumpkin work out of season because <laughs> i feel like it's not super relevant and stuff like that and most but of it's my... art bro but it is art and no but the only art i'm worried about right now is the art of creating this podcast uh with you my very good friend arthur and i thank you for the shout out and i promise in future episodes i will divulge more of myself and where you can see some of the stuff that i make and some of the things that i'm also proud of that's my lovely time oh yeah and you can find out about me and arthur and all of our favorite things on <laughs> what was that? Did someone step on your toe at the end? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you are too sweet with the shout outs at the end. That's too much. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.